again. We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. <laughs> it's because y'all thought lesson six was up on the docket. And now that you learn it's not, there's no joy in the house of the Lord. <laughs> I just, but seriously, lesson six is not getting taught tonight. It's my, can, uh, my Candace. My wife's on the front row. She forbids it, forbid me to teach it. She is going to be sitting by me next week while pastor teaches it. He's sick today. Uh, today. No, he was sick yesterday and, uh, and thought he, was on, he is on the uptick. But y'all be praying for him. He's on the mend. Um, so and, and he texted yesterday. He's like, you may have to cover tonight. And then he texted late this morning. He's like, you're going to have to cover tonight. And so I said, that's no problem. And I come down here, and uh, I said, Lexi, print me off the last lessons that we did, all of them, because it's review night. That's what's happening tonight. <laughs> when in doubt, just do a review. And see, y'all don't even know, this is solid gold right here. Um, this is Dr. Brassfield's notes. I'm going to be honest with you, I was hoping whenever, um, and he, he didn't know I was going to do it. Maybe he didn't know that I was going to do it, and that's why he didn't come to church tonight. After worship, and I said, amen, I, I was hoping to look and see Dr. Brassfield sitting right there because we, we were about to teach in tandem, and by tandem, I mean I was going to have him come up here and teach while I stood beside him. You know what I'm saying? You got to do what you got to do. Strengthening your marriage. Man, how precious is the gift of marriage? Isn't it? Isn't it? And, and to think that God instituted the covenant of marriage, I'm talking about early, early onset in this whole creation process, right? Like, let there be light. He made man out of the dust. <laughs> and then he brought woman forth out of man. And it was about that quick, right? And so when we approach the um, issue of strengthening your marriage, you have to understand that us as believers, we have to approach it from a biblical perspective, right? Outside of a biblical perspective, you're going to have all kinds. The, the, the world has done such a wonderfully terrible job of manipulating God's purpose for marriage in every aspect of it, right? From, from toxic masculinity to um, um, uh, feminine equality to... Um, uh, sexual perverseness just across the board, right? He has crept into the covenant of marriage. He's put his worldly twist on it and has sabotaged God's purpose for man and wife. And so we're just going to backtrack. We're going we're gonna, to, uh, I, I figure if I can do like maybe 10 minutes on each lesson, then we can cover enough time that I don't feel guilty about turning y'all loose. Um, everybody said, hey, man, seven minutes it is. You got it. <laughs> Dr. Brassfield's notes, you put real big right here up in the front. For this cause, for this cause, Genesis chapter 2. Really quick, really quick. Verse 15 says, and the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it. And keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat of it freely, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you do so you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, and I will make him a helper comparable to him. And just thinking about that word for this cause, let's skip down here. Hold on, let's go down here to 24. I know that's where it's at, because for this cause, for this cause, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. God's, and the point that Dr. Brassfield made, it was so powerful. And I don't, I don't know, some people like the, the pastor does it to me too. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for, to have men of God in my life that um, can help me unearth treasures. The fact that two becoming one, um, that God took woman from man and then the entire purpose of doing so was so that he could join them back together. It was his entire purpose, men, was for us to not be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. 
Scripture says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Finds a good thing. And for this cause, for this cause, shall man leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. I, I find myself, um, as my children age, um, wanting to be a better husband and a better father, but a better husband. And I know that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to those in here who may not have children that are growing up and thinking about boys and girls. <laughs> but at some point in time for this cause, a man will leave his father and his mother and he'll join himself to my daughter. And, and so my purpose in being a husband to Candace is not only to be a husband to Candace, but it's also to be an example for my daughter. I want my daughter to see me live a biblical standard um, um, example of a husband so that she knows what to look for and vice versa. At some point in time, my son will leave me and he'll leave my wife and he will be joined to his wife. And I want to be the example of a husband that his wife deserves, Right? It was God's purpose that man shouldn't be alone, that we should be joined to our spouses too, becoming one. And he gave us six Ps, and he said, because that's all he could think about. <laughs> First one was for protection. I, uh, I take the responsibility of being the protector of my family very serious, even to the point that I'm, downright offensive at times. Not necessarily to Candace, but a lot of times to my daughter specifically. And I love her. Is she in here? Okay, good. <laughs> I should have looked. That's my bad on that. I'll make sure. She knows, though. She knows. I told her just this week. I said, Gracie, since the day that you were born, I've had, I've had one job, and that's to protect you. It's to protect you. Number, number one, to protect you from the sinful nature that you were born into. It's my responsibility as a, as a father to, and I know this is strengthening your marriage, and if, at some point in time we're going to talk about family religion, and I'll bring all of this back up again. So y'all just have to apologize as I navigate through somebody else's notes. The purpose for marriage, there's protection, there's um, safety within the covenant of marriage. My responsibility is, is to be a shield for my wife and for my children. And I told Gracie, I said, my, my two greatest responsibilities, number one, to introduce you to the Lord because, because we're all sinners, saved by grace. And then my second responsibility is to protect you from everything. From, from the things that try to attack her internally through her, through her mind and her thoughts, the things that can come into, into my home via uh, social media from the outside. I, it's going to be a crazy vetting process for the man that leaves his father and mother and joins himself to my daughter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was having a conversation with a guy this afternoon, um, and, and, and I, I don't know why I even thought about this. Um, I'm going to take the responsibility of, um, of loving and mentoring and, and, I, and, oh, and praying and praying for the husband of my daughter. And I assure you that I will pour into his life from the day that he becomes a part of my family. Because he needs to, he needs to some measure, he needs to look like me, not not this good looking necessarily, like not like physically look good looking like me, but like he needs to be a protector and it needs to be a bold. Listen, I, I, will, I will run through somebody, try to get to my family. I will, I will, oh, help you, Jesus. And man, we need to have that tenacity concerning our marriages. If marriages are valuable in the eyes of the Lord and if we believe that and the scripture proves that, then, then you will protect what you value. You understand? You'll protect what you value. So the purpose of marriage is protection. Secondly, it's for partnership. Two are better than one. Deuteronomy says that one can put a thousand to fight, but two can chase ten thousand. It's partnership. These ideas underscore the power of partnership. A united husband and wife are a formidable team. A team can produce more. Right? A team can produce more. You can have a superstar, 
But if you got five just well-rounded, fundamental, you'll win every time. There's no I in team. Marriage is designed for partnership. Marriage is a place for provision where both spouses are called on to generously meet the needs of others. This suggests a responsibility to be aware, to care, and to convey provision on each other and the family unit. And Dr. Brassfield made this point. It was was so good. He's talking about provision. He said that Miss Kathy was his responsibility in every aspect of the word. Men, we need to look at our wives as in, in the same way, it's our responsibility to provide their provision, everything that they need in, in every aspect. It's my responsibility to meet the needs of Candace financially, in security, in, in uh, sexual intimacy, in, across the board. It's my responsibility and vice versa. This is God's design, provision, passion. A successful marriage requires falling in love many times with the same person. Come on, somebody, with the same person. And can I say this? Um, in, on those days where you didn't fall in love, choose to love. <laughs> because in the course of a marriage, there are going to be days when you wake up and you don't feel in love. But love is a choice. It's a choice. You wake up every day, you choose to be faithful. You wake up every day, you choose to be a protector. You wake up every day and choose to provide on the days that I don't feel good or on the days that she doesn't feel good and, 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 and the days that I'm a bit contentious. She's never contentious. But on the days that I am, I choose to love her and she chooses to love me, right? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen to this. He says, the focus of your attention will become the object of your affection. The focus of your attention will be the object of your affection. I I will say this. We live in a world where um, our attention is trying to be pulled a thousand different directions. Right, we 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 live in a culture now. Um, we live in a culture where uh, something is required of everyone in the family almost immediately. It's very rare that you find a family unit where uh, where you have a stay-at-home mother and a and a father that goes, or a husband that is the sole provider of a family. And blame it on economy, blame it on wanting to keep up with the Joneses, what, whatever the factors are that have, that have made us become what we are. We're a busy people, right? Husbands, why, you're busy, right? Wives, you're busy, right? So we need to be intentional about our, our affection. We need to be intentional about our passion. We need to be intentional about our attention. And if you give your spouse, your significant other, the attention that they need, They'll become the object of your affection. And the marriage is a design, God's design for marriage was for it to be a place of peace. It's very unfortunate that marriages a lot of times are not that, sometimes even from the, from the get-go. And it's because people have a preconceived idea about what marriage is, and then those unmet expectations lead to contention in the home. And bittering and backbiting and strife become the norm within the covenant of marriage, and that was not God's design at all. The home, the covenant of marriage should be a place of peace. The, the world is, is tumultuous enough that you need to find safety and you need to find comfort and you need to find a place of rest and a place of peace within the covenant of marriage. That's God's design. And here's, here's the kicker on this. Let me just go back and hit what I talked about at the very beginning of this whole thing. If Christ is not the center point, the cornerstone of your relationship with your spouse, you're going to struggle in all of these areas, right? If you don't have sound biblical understanding of God's intentions and his purposes for marriage, then you'll always struggle. If, if he's the prince of peace and he is welcome and on the throne of your of your marriage, then the byproduct of that thing will be peace within your marriage, right? And posterity. 
Marriage extends beyond the couple itself. I underline this. I love it. As children grow and leave the home, the Genesis family remains. The model remains, offering a legacy of wisdom, tradition, and financial stability. Um, that's, that's, why, um, that's why I want to invest in a son-in-law. That's why I want my wife to invest in my daughter-in-law. It's because legacy is created by sowing seed, sowing seed, right? Fruit, fruit, uh, a, a harvest is collected after seed is sown. If you want to see your children marry uh, godly men and godly women and grow into uh, godly families that are um, by biblical standards successful and healthy, then we sow into those things. It offers a legacy of wisdom, tradition, and financial stability. The aged generation, the aged become the anchors, ensuing a peaceful transition of power and assets from one generation to the next. Proverbs thirteen twenty two says, A wise man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren, and his inheritance is not just financial. It's not just financial. It's, it's imparting spiritual wisdom, and guidance is being an open book on the successes and failures. I love the opportunity to sit down with, um, with kind of that college age. I, I was an evaluator at the Fine Arts Festival this weekend. You know what's crazy to me um, is I think that I think that that kids in that transition transitional period in their life. I think they love and appreciate when people pour into their lives. And they may not be willing to come and ask you the hard questions, but if you'll make a point, if you'll make a point to communicate to them on their level at that, in that time and in that area of their lives, they appreciate it. They cling to those things. They hold on to them. I believe that they take them to heart. Just don't Listen, here's what I'm trying to say. Don't make a young person solicit you for advice when you see them acting a fool. How about that? Use godly wisdom. We're supposed to train up our children in the way that they should go. I sit down with a couple of, of one kid's 20, the other one's probably Gracie's age. And this young man had been, um, this young man had been a part of a ministry of a, if I, if I said the brother's name, you would know him because he is a very um, familiar a worship minister across the country. We sing some of his songs here in this church. And this young man went and, and uh, traveled in ministry with him for a little while and seen some things that were hurtful and damaging in the ministry. And I was able to sit down and just kind of open up and talk with him from a shepherd's perspective. And I could see the way that he appreciated and the way that he loved it. And, and, and you never know what small conversations, what, what micro conversations, the macro effect that they're going to have in somebody's life. And, and we want, listen, if you want quality um, young adults full of integrity and full of character and full of the anointing, then it has to be passed from one generation to the next and that's part of what happens. That's a very important part of what happens within the covenant of marriage. It's the things that I've learned in my successes and the things that I've learned through my failures. It's important for me to be transparent with my children. And I'll be real honest with you, I don't have a problem being transparent with your children about my successes and my failures either because I think that people need to hear it. It's part of God's design, imparting wisdom to the next generation. And so then, after Dr. Brassfield just killed it on the purpose of marriage, God's purpose for marriage, we went to lesson two. And, and lesson three and lesson two in the book were switched. They're all wrong. And I agree with Pastor 100% on this one, um, that, the, that the roles and responsibilities of a husband should have been addressed first in the book. I don't know. Maybe the guys like ladies first. And I'm all about ladies first and opening doors for ladies and things like that. But when it comes to roles and responsibilities within the marriage, the husband is the head of the home. 
and the brunt of the burden rests on our shoulders. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And what's the example that Christ set for the church concerning love? It's complete and total sacrifice in spite of. In spite of. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The roles and responsibilities of a husband are They're deeper than um, a lesson or even a review (laughs) could reach and extract. But one thing I always do, Joe, and I think you probably do this as well. I know Pastor does. And actually, I probably picked the bulk of it up from Pastor just listening to him and and counseling with him through the years. Before I'll do a marriage, um, I sit down with the soon-to-be husband and talk with him about how the responsibility for making this marriage a success and making this marriage last and making this a godly marriage, that the weight of that is going to set on his shoulders primarily. And then the responsibility of the wife is submission. But the thing is, here's the thing, and I, I know Pastor struggled with lesson three, which was the wife's responsibilities, and I completely and totally understand that because there have been Ladies, probably under the, sound of our, un, under the sound of my voice, who have been hurt so severely and so deeply within the covenant of marriage because they submitted to somebody that they thought was worth submitting to and they showed no signs of loving their wives like Christ loved the church. And when you do that, you set yourself up for heartache and for grief. But I'm telling you, husbands, if you will love your wives like Christ loved the church and you'll lead your wives with integrity and character, then your wives will have no, no problem submitting to you. And I also think, if we're just being real honest, that word submission, is, it finds itself misused a lot. Right? It sounds like a real dangerous word. It sounds like a, like a scary word. But if you stop and think about it, it's a safe place. It's a safe place. And husbands, we're called, our responsibility, our, our primary responsibility, and this is what Pastor talked about. This was his first point, and this was actually a little bit hard, uh, a little bit of a hard pill to swallow. Coming from if you're if you're from the outside looking in, if you think about this within um, in light of the covenant of marriage, he says, in order for a man to be the servant leader of the union, he must fully be committed to personal discipleship. And then uh, four dots down, it says, my first love in my life must always be my love. For God through Christ. And Jesus said this in Luke. He said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife, his children, then he can't be my disciple. Now, those are harsh words, right? When you think about that, if if I don't love the Lord more than I love my wife, then I can't adequately and properly serve her and fulfill the needs and the desires that she has for me to fulfill, right? I cannot be the leader in my home if I am not fully and totally surrendered to Christ above all else. That's my first and most important responsibility is to love the Lord with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with all of my strength. And the reason that that is a safe place to be also is because everything that's good and holy is going to flow out of that, right? If, if my wife wants me to walk in the character and integrity that she needs me to walk in, then I have to be submitted to Christ and to his plans and his purposes for my life as an individual. If he's the head of my life and then I'm, and I'm the head of my family, then I'm going to stay in line. The second that, the second that I 
that those positions and those roles are reversed or out of order, then contention and, and, and things are going to go haywire. I assure you, right? But if Christ is the head of your home, it's a safe place to be. Not only for the husband, but it's a safe place for a wife to be. It's a safe place for a wife to submit. And then, I don't know, y'all, uh, y'all can't read this. This is Candace wrote this. Um, husband is to be a provider. I'm, I'm going to get there in a minute. Let me, let me get to the rest of this, though. <laughs> so the husband is, I did find your notes, too, by the way. The, the, the papers that Lexi printed out for me today, they had this blank notes, and I had all, all the blank spots, and I was like, ah. Oh. I'm a pretty good memory, but I don't remember all of those blanks that Pastor wrote in there. He says, so, so we have to be devoted to Christ first. And then number two was my personal devotion to Christ must be empowered by developing patterns of prayer, a pattern of prayer. Now, you think about this. A, a man of prayer, he's building himself up. He's interceding for his family. He's interceding for his children. He's praying for God to provide all of his needs. All of, when you, you, you have to remember, please, please keep this in, not in the back of your mind, but in the forefront of your mind. Everything that is good and that's holy about the covenant of marriage is established by God, right? It's his. It's his plan. Marriage is not something that we come up with on our own, right? Man didn't design that. God put that thing together in the garden, right? And so if we live accordingly, if we live according to his word and we're, and we're faithful to his word and we're faithful in devotion to, in devotion to him, then this, the chances, the success rate of, of marriage is it, it's, it's astronomically higher than somebody who's not living a life of devotion. And your greatest devotion is, is strengthened and proven in prayer. It's important, men, for um, last week, last Sunday... Pastor Todd put a passage of scripture that said, teach my hands to war. We have to be men of warfare, especially in prayer concerning our families. We are responsible for standing in the gap as intercessors for our wives, husbands. We're responsible for standing in the gap as intercessors for our children. We need to be men of prayer. And then a husband should speak prophetically the word of faith to his wife and over his family. There's power in your words. God begin all things with a word. And if we pattern our, if we believe that life and death are in the power of the tongue, Craig, then we speak those things that the word says. Maybe even calling things as not as though they are, until they become that thing. So declare good over your children, husbands. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Man, how about that? That it may impart grace. Grace. Lord knows I have needed grace in my own life from time to time, right? And a responsibility that we bear as husbands is to impart grace to our wives and to our children. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom we are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another. Man, I bet my wife wants me to do that. And tenderhearted and forgiving, even as God in Christ forgave us. As husbands, we're supposed to be spiritual protectors of the family. We got to be vigilant in our defense, not only of our, uh, not only in our homes, but we need to be actively involved in one another's lives outside the homes. And and um, I guess three weeks ago now, Dr. Brassfield talked about communication. 
I'm not going to ask Candace. I'm not even going to look over there at her because I suffer from the same thing that I'm certain every other man in here suffers from, and that's probably poor communication skills. <laughs> Here's how I know, because at the end of this lesson right here, Candace wrote this. She said, this, is, this was the conclusion. <laughs> Pastor's conclusion was this. To love and to lead are the primary responsibilities of the husband. Personally, I believe in order to fulfill these responsibilities, the man must have certain disciplines in place. Without these, he will be incapable of fulfilling his role. But like Jesus said to Simon, Pastor Brown says to you, men, I'm praying for you. Amen. And when this grace is realized in you, strengthen your marriage. And then at the very bottom, Candace wrote, Always ask your wife if she wants a drink from Sonic before going. <laughs> exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And then she wrote, every time, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And that hit, that hit really close to home for me, and here's why. Because the day that Pastor talked about that and husband's responsibilities in the marriage, I went to Sonic. And I got a large strawberry slush. And I didn't ask my wife, and I had just got back to the shop, and I was sitting down at my desk, and I was drinking that slush, and here come my wife with a large strawberry slush. Yeah. So guess what happened on the day that I failed to be a good communicator with my wife? I had to drink two large strawberry slushes. And so, men, if you don't want to suffer through that, then learn to be good communicators. <laughs> Listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is the reason we got to be good communicators. It's because you can't address the things that you don't know about and you're not aware of within your marriage. Listen, husbands, if there's deficiencies in your life and your wife is fully aware of them and she shares them with you in love and in grace, and even if she doesn't share them with you in love and in grace, then take note. And wives, if we forget to ask you, if you wanted anything from Sonic, then communicate to us that we should never do that again, and we will never do it again. And today I picked my wife up Sonic because I asked her what she wanted. <laughs> Good man, amen. So much, so much responsibility rests on us men to protect and to guard and to tend to our marriages. It's a great responsibility. I mean, I mean, great in its awesome and also great in its size. It's a huge responsibility. It doesn't need to be taken lightly. And the fact of the matter is, if you're going to be successful at it, you're going to have to be connected to the source that created it. Amen. And then, lesson three, the wife's responsibilities. Whew. Pastor had to stop and pray right in the middle of this one. And I can understand that. Um, because it is difficult. It's difficult. The, 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 book, the book took it from a godly perspective. And sometimes godly things are hard to talk about. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a call to submission. A call to submission. The scripture says that we're to give honor to our wives as unto the weaker vessel. And you want to know the truth? Um, my, my, my wife, I know this, I can say it with all confidence. She doesn't want to be equal to me. She wants to be in agreement with me in every area of our lives, but she doesn't want to be equal to me. Because there are things that I take on that she doesn't want any part of. And at the same time, I don't want to be equal to her either because she does some things that I don't want to do either, like laundry. I'm, a pre I'm so appreciative for her. But when you're talking about submission, when we get outside of that biblical, biblical command, and, when, and ladies... And, and don't take this the wrong way. I'm, I'm just, um, 
And I want it to be a safe place. Now I know why Pastor prayed up here. Uh, husbands, be somebody that your wife wants to submit to that doesn't abuse that biblical principle to the point that it's an unsafe place to live in submission. And then wives, find security in that. Because the second, and I've seen this, I've seen, I have seen this in pastoral ministry. And, I, and I've seen it be detrimental not only to the shepherd and the shepherdess, but I've seen it be destructive to the church. When a senior pastor's wife usurps authority, and it was destructive. Ooh, that's a tough one. I always go to Ephesians. I mean, we're here, there. Now that wives are called to submit to their husbands, and there's safety in that. There's safety in that. Ephesians 5.21 says we submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. I understand that, um, and talked about it a little bit ago, and, and and I understand it, that submission that leads to um, destructive patterns or hurt and heartache within a marriage and and maybe even in a in a failed marriage and or you're struggling from healing or, 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 or struggling to heal and needing healing um, then just let me encourage you that it is a biblical principle that there's safety in and that God can heal that thing and if you've been wounded by a husband, um, then I would just encourage you to remember that Jesus is the bridegroom and we're his bride and there's no sorrow and submission there at all. No sorrow and submission there at all. And, uh, and I'm looking back, I'm really glad that I didn't have to teach this lesson. <laughs> It's important to understand that we have roles as individuals within the covenant of marriage. And they reach way, way, way beyond leadership and submission. And they require us to come together under Christ and to search out those things. I was talking last week, two weeks in a row on a Wednesday. This is out of control. That last week I was talking about my foolish, uh, foolishness as a younger man. And the mistakes that I made and, and looking back and, and seeing how dumb that I was. And then worrying that in another 15 or 20 years, if the Lord tarries, that I'll look back on my mid-40s and think that I'm dumb now. And uh, I, th- I think it was Jared Carlton that said, did you tell me that I would be? Yeah, thanks a lot for that. He said, for sure, you're going to look back and think that you were dumb in your 40s. And then he encouraged me. He said, because the reason that you will think that is because the entirety of our lives, we're reaching for something, we're progressing, and our marriages are the same way, right? Husbands, if you don't know how to, how to love Christ as he loved the church, or how to love your wives as Christ loved the church, if we don't know how to, how to uh, love Christ as the Bible tells us to, and wives, if we're struggling where submission is concerned, there's some navigating through these, through these times, but at I've been married for I've been married for over two decades. I've been married for 23 years. 23 years. I've been married for 23 years, and the things that I thought I knew about Candace on January 6, 2001, I just realized now that I didn't know anything about her. I knew that I loved her, 
But man, we've done a lot of growing in 23 years. And the truth of the matter is, is Candace is as complex as trying to understand the doctrine of the Trinity. Come on, somebody. Right? Y'all are complex. Y'all are complex. Nobody said amen on that. But y'all know, men, y'all know. Y'all know. And some of y'all that have married far longer than I have can testify to the fact that you never stop learning or never stop growing in your knowledge of them. Uh, Peter wrote, he said this, he said, to, to dwell with your wife according to knowledge. And here's the thing about that knowledge is it, is it ever needs to be increasing. I need to know more about Candace tomorrow than I know about her today. So in another 15 or 20 years, when we've been married for over four decades, I'm probably going to look back and realize that when I was in my 40s, I didn't know nearly as much about her as I thought I did. And those things are found in communication. I won't know anything about her if I don't invest time in communicating with her. And he talked about... um, there's certainly going to be times within um, our marriages that, that we have difficulties and we have disagreements and learning how to navigate, navigate through those based on um, personalities. Dr. Brassfield did such a great job of, of, of talking about the importance of understanding the personality of your significant other, Right? To know that if I have a dominant personality and, and, she, is, um, and she is passive, then, then, then the way that we communicate, I, I have to know and understand her in order to communicate properly with her in a way that doesn't sound like I'm attacking or, 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 uh, or, or trying to be offensive and vice versa. The truth of the matter is, is Candace knows how to push my buttons and I know how to push hers and I stay away from hers and she stays away from mine. Most of the time, when we were talking about... We were talking about, this is, this is funny too, and I'm going to tell him, Ken. Uh, I don't even remember what we were talking about now, but uh, actually Dr. Brassfield's personality and mine are similar, and, and Miss Kathy and Candace's are actually similar, similar too. And Candace is a, um, sh- she's analytic, she's a thinker, and I'm, I'm, I'm a doer. Man. I'm like, let's, let's do this, let's do this. And I'm like, you know, we're kind of like that. That's what this, we were having a conversation, me and Candace were. We were like, I was like, we're kind of like that, right? Like, I'll get something in my mind, and, and I'll be a sounding board, and, and, and you'll, you'll kind of tell me your thoughts and your opinions. I said, you're, you're a lot like Miss Kathy. And, and she said, yeah, and I wish you were more like Dr. Brassfield. <laughs> and don't look at me like that. You know you said it. You were there. You were there. <laughs> oh, man, communication is key. It's key. Husbands, you need to communicate with your wives even after those long days when you don't feel like talking to anybody. And wives, give them just a second and a hot meal, and we'll start talking. Communication is key. Communication is key with your spouse. Communication is key with your children. You need to be very involved. Here's the thing about marriage. This is we're going to talk about uh, next week, um, sexual intimacy, uh, be fruitful and multiply. Remember that? That whole scripture? Be fruitful and multiply. There's certainly a lot of pleasure in the sexual union of a husband and a wife, but there is also purpose in childbearing. And then we have a responsibility not to just bear those children, but to bear them up and to give them a safe and a secure place. And it's important for us to relay um, God's plan and purpose for marriage, but also God's plan and purpose for children and growing up into the men and the women that they're supposed to be. And we have to be open and communicate and this is one thing that we have always done in uh, where our children are concerned is uh, we were careful and intentional with our discipline. It's not a, it's, it's a, I don't want to say unsafe. It's a bit unsafe. I think it's a lot safer 
to discipline your children as you explain to them where fault was and for it to be done in love. And there actually have been times, and if Gracie knows this, she would testify to this too, there would be times that I actually pretended to whip Gracie and then told her to, to tell her mom that I whipped her. And I understand, I understand that's not good communication, but I'm growing in the Lord. And here's what I learned, that 15 years ago when I was doing foolish things like that, she's a bit harder to talk to now, where I think if I would have whooped her, she would listen to me more better. We need to be open in our communication with our children. (laughs) And understanding God's purpose in marriage, understanding husband's roles and responsibilities, wife, understanding your roles and responsibilities, understanding that we have to be proficient in our communication with one another. And then last week, and I won't beat a dead horse at all because I told you I would get out of here early tonight. Whoop, whoop. Last week, I talked about financial agreement in the covenant of marriage. And this is also a, a tough one to talk about too. And here's the reason why is because um, is because in this room there is a wide array of um, of financial situations from struggling to wildly successful financially, and so it's difficult to come in here and talk to you about your finances and talk to you about this. And if you'll do this, then God will do this and show you promises in the Word. And, and all of those things, and I, I struggle with that. And I also told this to Jared today, and uh, me and Jared talk a lot now because he's back home. Thanks, man. Here's the thing about understanding finances within the covenant of marriage is that God was very clear in his scripture about the right way and the wrong way to do things and to handle your finances, right? And it does not matter if you are the, if you ain't got two nickels to rub together. The biblical principles spelled out clearly in the word are the same for that person as they are for the guy who never has to worry about finances again in his life. Sorry. I'm sorry. But that's absolutely true. If Christ is the head of your home, he'll be the head of your finances. And, and there is so much contention a lot of times within marriages because of financial struggles. And if husbands and wives are never on the same page about the way that they're handled their finances because of poor communication or because of um, different views of money. We talked about that last week, right? Remember how Gracie looks at $100 bills like seven coffees from Seven Brew and a manicure And I look at it as a steak dinner, and Candace looks at it as the Hulu payment for the month, right? We all look at finances differently, but Christ has to be the head of that thing. And then if you can communicate and work through the different personalities and and understand the reason that she looks at money the way that she does and the reason that I look at money the way that I do and the reason that we are... um, and the reason that we handle our finances is based on the word, then you will have success. Did y'all know that the, the, the greatest um, place and opportunity for financial um, success is actually within a marriage, right? I make more money because my, I'm married to my wife, and she makes money. <laughs> and she makes more money. If, than if she was not married to me because I have money and she has money. Together we have our money. And we're going to be faithful with our finances to the Lord. And God is faithful to his word concerning our finances. And that was the difficult thing about last week is the fact that there is such a wide array of financial um, situations in the church. But just hold fast to this truth is that the biblical principles concerning your finances within and even without, listen, single man, there's biblical principles about how you're to function with your finances. 
And if you'll obey the word of God, then God's blessing and his favor will rest on that. And then within the context of marriage, husband and wife, if you, if you view your finances as a way to bring glory to God and, and see it as his provision and give him glory for that thing, then the blessing and the favor of God will rest on it, even if you don't have nothing. Listen, I'm okay. I'm okay with being the person that Jesus is watching when I put those two nickels in the treasury. Now, I don't know how much that Pharisee dropped in right before she did when Jesus has leaned up on the treasury. But he was moved by her sacrifice. He was moved by her giving. And I believe in being benevolent. And I believe that God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Maybe not my wants. <laughs> Maybe not all my wants. But he provides all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. And then next week. Come on, y'all be praying for Pastor Brown that he gets 100% healed, that his voice is back, and that any sickness in his body is driven out in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to tell him that 300 people was in service tonight. And just in great anticipation for next week's lesson. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, we're so thankful. God, for the gift of marriage. I'm so thankful for the covenant that you instituted. I'm so thankful, Father, that you protect it. God, even when the world, even when the world and everything in it is trying to come against and attack the covenant of marriage, God, you protect it. Let us, let us live, Father, and let us move and let us uh, function in the covenant of marriage under the safeguard that you provide as we walk in obedience to you, Father. We celebrate it tonight. And God, we, we need this in our church. God, our marriages need strengthened because when a husband and a wife are living uh, um, um, in, in a godly manner and then, then we're strengthening and encouraging one another and then we're, when we're plugged into a church, Father, a healthy husband and a healthy wife in the covenant of marriage strengthen the church. And then when the church is strong and, and their voice is strong, un, un, uh, uninhibited and unhindered uh, by the attack of the enemy, Father, then, then the world is changed. Father, let our church grow in its strength. Let husbands and wife grow in their love and their covenant with one another. Father, we love you. God bless this great church family. And Father, we send your word tonight to Pastor Brown. God, for divine healing in this life. I send your word to Caleb, who's home tonight. Sick, Father, we pray for healing, God. And those represented in this church, Father, if there are needs, if there's sickness, if there's... Um, uh, Father represented here, we, we pray, Father, that your supernatural healing would just flow through our church fellowship. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And as Pastor would say, you can't leave without loving on somebody. <laughs>